is hum to themselves. <laughs> yeah, of course they do. you think they're quite musical? I mean, they do that kind of dressage. They do that <laughs> kind they? of clippy cloppy thing. Yeah, they do that rhythm. rhythm, haven't they? I mean, you know. <laughs> Where do they hum when they're doing the clippy cloppy thing? Yeah, like I think it's. Uh, they're just like, God, really, just, I've got a really good beat going now. You know I suppose I mean? some horses might not have that great a rhythm. Hello, I'm Annabelle Other, and this is my podcast about friendship, yearning, and horses. So basically horses are herd animals, a bit like humans, we don't do very well on our own and they require you to be very grounded which is something that I haven't been for a few months. They're incredibly um, trusting of you once they've gained your trust. So that's a huge privilege. A horse on its own in a field gets very frightened. They have their little friends they pick out in the herd of horses. So for example, Merlin's got a little, is he quite a young horse who he just absolutely adores. They play really great games together. He becomes very young again. They miss each other when the other one's not in the field. So they're incredibly reliant on other horses to give them comfort and I think in a way this is what I feel at the moment it, it sort of reflects on where we're at because we've all been thrown into being on our own we're not having a laugh we're not joking about and doing stuff that we're used to we don't this doesn't fit doesn't suit who we are even just the, the sort of thought you know when you've got somebody in another room or in the next room to you and the presence makes you feel more grounded. Yeah, we have been thrown into our little worlds. We don't, we don't function very well. So I think, actually, when you look at horses and you think, the, the saddest thing is to see a horse on its own. And I can whinny like a horse. Oh. Um, which I could do in a minute. Well, I just got to wait for people because it's very loud. Is it? Yeah, it's very loud. I'll do it in a minute once people have walked yeah, past. Okay. So basically, I, I know how to communicate with horses. I can get a whole field of horses to run up to me through whinnying. And I don't actually know what I'm saying, but they seem to like it. <laughs> do you know how to pose? Um, I worked on a kibbutz and I became really good friends with a stable boy. There were horses on the kibbutz and um, and um, he um, would take me out riding on these huge horses. We'd ride along the West Bank um, and um, <clears throat> he put me on his horse one day and I didn't have any control of a horse whatsoever. I'd never ridden before. Um, and uh, And the horse just took off with me. And it was the most terrifying and exhilarating experience I've ever had. Um, it was incredible. Not something I really wanted to repeat. But <laughs> 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 he 
was very handsome as yes, well. 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 He did rescue me though, of course. He rode up alongside, <laughs> pulled his horse in. It was all very dramatic. Well, I can't actually recall it as natural memory, but um, I've been told that when I was about four, um, I was asked by somebody what I would like to be when I grow up. And um, I replied that when I grow up, I would like to be a horse. I would have been either a Pinto, which is a black and white horse, or a Palomino, which is like a kind of big golden horse. Um, and they probably were the horses that I, I chose as a, as a child to gallop around on in the fields. I think as I go older, I lost, uh, I lost um, the idea that I could be horse. Um, I think that age is, is very particular and I was talking to my mum about that actually. And um, she said around that age, my brother asked for Christmas whether he could have a hippopotamus. Um, and okay. I think it's that, that age of possibility. But I was the back end of a horse in a school play. Did you? I was really disappointed. Did you I wanted to be the front. <laughs> when I was a little girl, I was going to marry Biggles, who was a horse at oh, the really? local stables. Not the air, not the, no, the no, he yet. was a, he was, he was an old knackered horse. Basically, so you were going to marry Biggles. I was going to marry Biggles. Can you describe what the wedding would be like? Um, we would have had an open air wedding. We'd have had maybe. Um, <clears throat> You know, a few guests. It wouldn't have been very extravagant. There'd have been a few apples, you know. Uh, it would have been a very sort of muted affair, but very deep. And at the time, I was determined I was going to marry Biggles. And my mum, my dad said to me, one day, Vicky, you'll feel the same way about boys as you will about Biggles. And I went, never! <laughs> and I never have. <laughs> So I'm making this podcast and um, it has a kind of overtone of, of horsey stories. And ah. um, oddly, you posted something on Facebook this morning, which was you on a pony. Riding a pony, yeah. yeah. So yeah. We're you... partly inspired by you saying, oh, I'm doing a podcast horse related which kind of slightly baffled me because I don't remember you being a horsey person I've got absolutely no connection with horses at all but what's curious is that they do kind of enter your life like for some reason I DJ yeah. DJ Brownell but I transform into a horse oh halfway through um by putting a rubber horse's head uh, which is mounted on top of a, a workman's helmet and uh, held on with a checked woolen scarf around my wow. head. And it's usually to the track Land Horses by Patty Smith. And sometimes it goes into um, uh, Ride Your Pony. I gallop around the, the dancing crowd and, uh, and then I stop being a horse. 
Oh, okay. And how long does this, how, how long does, so you, that's two songs. So you're approximately 20 minutes. No, far less than that. But it's uh, sort of sh quite shamanistic, I think. Mm. Uh, but also faintly ridiculous. But I don't yeah, know. I'd probably go faintly ridiculous than shamanistic, to be honest. Your description. I think you need to come clean because you're actually quite qualified to say yeah. that, really, aren't you? So I'm Reverend Canon Dr. Ellen Loudon. I'm Canon Chancellor at Liverpool Cathedral and Director of Social Justice for the Diocese of Liverpool. So I'm qualified both in the horse department and in the, no, that's not shamanistic, that's ridiculous department. <laughs> you worry about sort of 20 minutes of being a, a pony. Um, I feel like this persona that now um, I live in is sometimes faintly ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, so you also dress up in some extraordinary clothes for a period of time. and Yes. On that note, I did talk to a friend of mine who, who told me that when she was young, for many years, she, wanted, she fell in love with a horse and she wanted to marry it. Oh. Um, no, I can... I can... I, I, you do f fall in love with horses. With, I, I'm not sure about marrying them though. No, oh, yeah. that seems like too much of a commitment. Oh, it's too too much of a commitment to the horse, or for the horse to you. Well, in all, in every way, I think. Have you ever? Because I mean, I'm guessing that you've married a few people in your, yeah. in, your, in your time. Has anybody ever asked you to to marry them to an animal? I mean, oh no, and uh, and it's illegal. So it's illegal. Um, oh, why would why when, would that be necessary? I don't know. That this person that I was speaking to was like said that she was very committed to marrying the horse, oh, and that her father okay. had told her that one day she'd meet other human beings that she would feel the same way about. She said she never has. Oh. Anyway, I think she oh. lost touch with the horse. It didn't work out. I don't, Annabelle, I don't even know if you remember that I, when I first met Mark, we ran away to the circus in Switzerland, which also involved ponies. It was a circus that basically went from one little village in Switzerland to another village, and the circus was only kind of possible to move from one village to the other because of the ponies. So I rode a horse called Rex, and that was my job, was to help look after the ponies and ride Rex. I was concerned for Rex all the time, even when I weren't riding. Like so, if we were in camp and things, I would go and go and want to see if Rex was all right. So I can see why you'd marry a horse, actually, because that was it was oh well, you know, I'll go and see Rex now after my dinner or whatever. Yeah. To be honest with you, I never felt anything sexually thrilling about riding ponies, but I can see why other people might. So I think that's the that's the thing I guess that that um, I'm a bit bemused by you know, marrying your pony. So basically, on the common every year there are several horses. There was only one left, running all over the place, galloping and going like this. <laughs> And then some people who don't know much about horses were a bit scared because they thought, do you think the horses are going to gallop our way? And then I said, well, listen, I think that horse is looking for his friends. He lost his friends because um, I know a little bit about horses. I've got a little one. 
I've got a little chipmunk. His name is Chipmunk. He's basically a little Shetland pony. And uh, he does that when his friends go. He goes all over the place, run up and down, up and down, up and down, trying to find them. And that's what that horse was doing. He was going into even some gardens, looking, where are my friends? Where are my friends? I can't find my friends. And going, going on one side of the road, the other side of the road, across the common. And then suddenly they came all galloping together, all really happy. And they had found each other and they were suddenly calming down. She's got a brown suntan starting just above her collar. Her lower arms, they're brown, but the rest is kind of pale. She'd buy better dine if she only had a dollar, and she'd live out in the pasture if she only had a tail. And no, I don't see her much since she started with horses. No, I don't see her much since she started to ride. Well, her jeans, they get like a wet saddle blanket, and her boots are like your figure, and her car is full of hay. Horses, humans, if she had to rank it, you'd bet on that they canter, and them that need fly spray. And you don't see her much since she started with horses. I don't see her much since she started to run. Um, the fear of horses, I, I think, I don't know if you can inherit it, but my mother was very frightened of horses. And so was my older brother, Jack. Um, Bob seemed to have missed out on that. And I mean, it's a, it's a real fear. It really bring, brings about the pounding heart <laughs> and the sweating palms, which is, which is surprising. But it was a revelation to us that um, Dad really liked horses because he was brought up in a poor part of Birmingham and, and he came from a very poor family and I'm sure they didn't have any connection with horses apart from the ones that came around with doing deliveries which they did in those days. When Bob and Jack were young and they were went to the seaside sometime and on the beach there was a man with horses and Bob told me he was absolutely astounded to see Dad go and just jump onto a horse bareback. This was this astonished them because we were living in in the centre of Birmingham, in you know, in a suburb with a, on a bus route. But when Mother and Dad bought the cottage in Wales, it was different because that was up a mountain. There was plenty of land around, and when I was about. 16 or 17 dad had this notion that he would like to teach me to ride a horse I'm sure it was with the best of intentions because I, he must have known that I was not keen on horses let's put it that way but anyway he disappeared this day and he came back he'd been down to see Jones the post office who was down the bottom of the hill and we were up a mountain and he came back with this horse I mean, it wasn't a huge horse as horses go, but seemed quite huge to me. And he said, I thought you'd like to learn to ride a horse. 
well, the fear shot through me. And as he brought the horse in, I looked into its eyes and I didn't like that at all. I felt it was weighing me up as one who was a bit scared, which was right. And then the, the next day we, we had to start this learning process. I didn't have any any of the proper gear that they have today. I think I just had welly boots and um, I don't even know if we wore trousers in those days, but anyway, no hat or anything like that. But um, it had uh, assisted me to get on this horse and I must confess I felt slightly better up on top where I couldn't see its eyes. And he led me out on the horse and that was that was okay sitting on top of the horse but then we went down the few country lanes and then dad as he was wont to do just said well there you are then I'll let you go <laughs> which was which was a bit ridiculous really because I had absolutely no control over this horse whatever he was in control and he just went the way he wanted to go at his own pace well, but I think the next couple of days we re repeated this this dreadful ordeal for me. And then on about the third day when the horse was tethered in its patch, the man in the next farm let his horse out into the adjoining field. Well, our horse saw his friend and gave a whinny of delight and thought at last somebody who looked going to like me and he jumped the fence, but unfortunately the drop on the other side was greater than, and it was in a bog. So the horse, having jumped the fence so agilely, was stuck in this bog up to its knees and it couldn't move. So unfortunately, my dad, who liked horses and knew about horses, uh, he decided that he'd have to get it out, so he did. He had to dig it out and hose it down but I may say that that was that was the end of the horse that was my saving thing it got taken back to Jones the post office lady lady give me your answer too I'm half crazy because of a horse like you I can't afford a carriage or a super marriage but you look sweet, trotting along with me, bouncing on your back. That sounds a bit rude, doesn't it? I spent at least three months of lockdown not being able to walk properly because my I, I ripped a tendon in my left leg and almost the moment that was better after probably two months, I then broke three toes in my right foot so that was another six weeks. So I felt very like hemmed in, you know, because I thought even though we was working from home, I felt very much like uh, at least you could go for a walk and I was really enjoying these walks. And Moina and I discovered the new field at the back. We called it the new field, even though it'd been there forever. For us, it was a new field and it was literally on our back door, right at the back of our house. And so as soon as my both feet got fixed, both legs. I went for a walk with mine, and this was only about a month ago, and we went to the new field again. We could finally go up there. And I, we, came, we were walking along, and it had this very kind of... 
particular charged atmosphere in the field at the back. And I don't know why we started talking about Chipmunk and Nadine's, Nadine's Shetland Pony. And I, Moina was saying, oh, has Nadine got a horse anymore? And I was going, I just couldn't think what she was talking about because I think, and I said, do you think Chipmunk is really a horse? I don't think of it as a horse. <laughs> we had this funny like, little light-hearted conversation about it. And then I was telling her about particular places I'd been in the landscape where I felt there was a certain kind of charged energy and sometimes it's more so when there's animals around. And then I came back down to my house and then you rung me up and you told me about this idea for this podcast. And I thought, isn't that funny? Because I told you the story that I just said, I've just been for a walk with Moina and we were discussing whether Chipmunk is really a horse. And then you said... I've got a proposal for a podcast with horses. And I thought, oh, that's so funny. Funny horsey things, Andrew. Uh. Suddenly, Johnny gets the feeling he's been surrounded by horses. Horses. Uh, horses. 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 Um, no, I don't. I have a pantomime horse, though. It's a ceramic pantomime horse. So a shy horse with... Uh, black spots. It's yellow. Hang on, I'll just get it. There you go. It's a bit dusty. It's been on my mantelpiece for years. Oh my goodness. She's got eyeliner. The pantomime horse. But I've I've loved this uh, pantomime horse. It's been on my uh, mantelpiece sideboard for many a year. It's a Shire horse. It's about six inches high. It's got a big grin. It's got like um, big black eyelashes around the eyes and it's covered in uh, round black spots. It's kind of uh, sort of lemon yellow. And you know, Shire horses have quite big um, hairy feet. Mm. And uh, yeah, it just looks um, happy. <laughs> Ride your pony, get on your pony and ride. Ride your pony, get on your pony and ride. And you're riding high now, stay beside me tonight. Oh, ride your pony, get on your pony and ride. I think that's, that's enough. Um, I was trying to get the galloping thing going with the do 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 do, and uh, the thing about a gallop is it's a, in it's a, a regular irregular rhythm. It's quite an extraordinary thing, and you have to not kick on to get that right rhythm. So you're on the pony and you're riding. It's it's yeah. It's a beautiful thing once you get a gallop going. Is it? Yeah. Next time you get a gallop going, you've oh, got. I don't know. I think I don't think this side of glory, to be honest with you. I think I think that I'm going to, have to wait till glory for another pony ride. Really? Okay. Yeah. Is that, what, is that what you think's in store for you? Well, I, I'm rather hoping so. I think um, Glory will be riding ponies and probably eating cake and drinking fine white wine. Mm. Mm. Anything else there in the mix? No, that that's probably enough. 
perhaps I've got, you know, my brain could tell me this is a bit ridiculous, but I must say I do like a nice fence between me and a horse. And once um, when I was working, one of the works day out um, was to the local race course, Sandown. Sandown, that's right, it was, it was our works treat. And Dad and I went there. Uh, and we didn't win a thing on the, on the horses, but Dad wanted to go down to the paddock, and I did go down, but there was a nice fence between us and the horses where we were, and I was struck. They were really, really beautiful horses. I can't deny that, but I was glad there was a big fence between us. I've always liked a fence between me and the horse. I'm quite a sensitive, emotional person, and... I see their need. I can see their loneliness. And I probably, I, I'm going to marry you a horse. You could probably marry a horse as well as marry a human if you wanted. Yeah, I don't think a human will ever ask me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, okay. it's going to have to well, be just, a horse. I we will. want the horse to ask you. No, I and will ask. You'll have to winnie. Yeah, I'll winnie. Is that why you're keeping it up? I'm keeping it. Shall I do a winnie? <clears throat> I, winnie. We're oh, in a park. This is going to... Oh, it's going to be great. We'll see which humans turn around when you winnie, and then we'll know that they've yeah. got more spirit. They, I've got to get into them. the. Oh God, this is great! Because uh, you can't just do. You've got to. Can't just win no, it. I've got Have to. Have you got to stand up? No, I can do it sitting down. This is like. <laughs> it's very uh, deeply uh, <laughs> private. <laughs> been listening to Mahali O'Hare, Vicky Potential Horse Bride Andrews, the wonderful Reverend Ellen Loudon, Nadine Chipmunk Constant, my mum, Joan, I like a fence between me and a horse, Bennett, the gorgeous voice of Alison Johnson, the fabulous Mr Andrew Mania, riding the white horse, it's Joe Leahy, and me, Annabelle Other. Special thanks to Jack and Jess at Bricks, the Embassy patient Rowan, my son, Walter Keyes Wilson, for the music at the beginning. Thanks for listening. No, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. No, that sounded like I was telling people off. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. You for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Bricks. Bricks brings together the people of Bristol through collaborative art projects, public realm producing, community-led co-design and securing the spaces our communities need to thrive. On our site, you'll also find a blog post with links and images related to the subjects covered in this episode and profiles of all our artists and projects. So go check it out at bricksbristol.org. As a new, independent charity, we rely on the support of people like you so that we can support our communities. If you can, please consider supporting our work through donating the price of a sandwich, buying a tote bag or purchasing an artwork from our online shop. Big thanks to Arts Council England and National Lottery Players for funding this episode as part of the BRICS Artist Programme.